Welcome back to the Bread and Butter Podcast. I'm your host, Brecklin. I have a dream guest with me today. We have Brooke Eliason, a female foodie. She's here with us to talk about food, about her business. Um, so welcome. We are happy to have you here. Thank you, Brecklin. It's so great to be here. So if you don't know Brooke, I feel like I used to like try to introduce people more, but I feel like they do a better job of introducing themselves. So take it away and kind of just tell us a little bit about you if they don't know totally. you. Totally. So yeah, again, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's so thoughtful of you. Um, yeah, a little bit about myself. I am I'm a millennial. I am from Salt Lake City, Utah. That's where I grew up. Um, lived there pretty much my whole life and actually just recently moved to Washington State about a year ago. We're really close to Portland, so usually we just tell people Portland. But um, a lot of my life has revolved around food. I, I know we might be kind of diving into this a little bit, but I grew up in a household where Food was one of the most important things, if not the most important thing. Um, my mom, that a lot of people know as a Bountiful Kitchen, Cy Foster, she, um, way before she had her blog or was had a presence online, um, she was food obsessed. So I kind of followed suit. And I think, I do think that's kind of equal parts nature and nurture. Um, I think that's comes partially from, you know, being exposed to it, but I, I definitely feel like it's just kind of in my soul or in my blood, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. So no, food's food's always been a big part of my life. Um, and then I'm I'm married. I've got a you know husband and two boys. So I don't know how much you want me to tell you about my business from just a introductory standpoint. But um, I started Female Foodie 12 years ago last month. Um, I was living in West Yellowstone, Montana. Have you been there by chance? I don't think that I have, but I've heard such good things. Okay. So it's one of, Yellowstone has four entrances that kind of, you can access the park through. And so I would go up there, a girlfriend of mine, a really good friend of mine um, growing up, she's still a good friend of mine. She um, invited me one summer to go up there and work. She was like, come up there with me. And so that was kind of my summer gig. I would wait tables and earn as much money as I could for the rest of the school year. Um, but my second summer up there in 2010, I was living above this barbecue restaurant. It was called the geyser grill which is no longer there so r.i.p um <laughs> but i was living there with a bunch of girlfriends and i turned to my friend rachel and i said i'm gonna start a blog and write about all the food i eat and take pictures of it and i'm sure she thought i was crazy but she was supportive and she was like you 100 percent should do that and so that's how it started it was very bare bones and humble anyone that had like a blogger or a blog spot blog out there that's where i hosted it um, it was actually called my eats, my thoughts in the beginning. I, as I was entering, which is a horrible name. <laughs> actually, I kind of like, it. I was going to say that's cute. <laughs> well, you're nice. I, one of my really good friends still makes fun of me to this day for it. But, um, yeah. So as I was entering the URL, literally in a split second, female foodie came to my mind and, um, yeah, it just kind of slowly snowballed, um, being from Salt Lake city, um, that's where I shared a lot of my original content. And again, in the beginning, it was all just about restaurants. And so, um, you know, during most of the year I lived in Salt Lake city and I would share things on my blog and then I actually started Instagram later. So it was probably 2013, 2014 when I jumped on Instagram, but Instagram was a big game changer because it, I feel like it really built, built community around what I was doing. So not only was I sharing my favorites, but people were sharing their favorite spots with me. And it was, it just brought so much more meaning to it. And now we've actually kind of flopped back to, we have way more readers coming to our website. 
a lot come from Google search. I think over 75% of our traffic comes from Google search. So now we're reaching a lot more people through the website, but still like our Instagram community is a really big deal. It's, it's, you know, I feel like as is with a lot of businesses, it's how we connect with people. So, um, but anyway, I'm getting really ahead of myself. No, you're not. I love it. I'm loving it all. (laughs) We, we have, you know, a website now and an app and things have just kind of gained motion. So there's a lot of things in between there, but I I don't want to totally tell all the story without, you know, kind of, um, taking it a bite at a time because there is a lot. I want to wind back to when you decided you were going to start it. At that point, did your mom have a present or was that, was she first? I'd never know. I was like, I wonder. Yes. Okay. My mom always calls herself a grandma blogger. I had some exposure to it and I, I come from a blogger family. So my mom started a Bountiful Kitchen in, it would have been 2008 because it's the year I graduated high school, went to college and she had just my two younger brothers at home and my sister and I had moved out and she was, I think, feeling a little bummed that there were any girls left in the house. And so my sister, Corinne, she started her blog for her and she set it up. And, um, I mean, again, my mom calls herself a grandma blogger. She's been doing it a long time. She actually is, um, selling cookbook finally this year. Um, so that's been like a lifetime in the making. I mean, even long before she was blogging, people were asking her for a cookbook. So that's really exciting. But um, anyway, so she started in 2008. And then, you know, I started my blog in, it was 2010. Um, again, very, very bare bones, like two awful point and shoot pictures. Here's what I had at this restaurant posting, you know, a couple few times a month, Um my mom definitely really inspired me to get into DSLR photography. So she had a DSLR and um, she taught me a lot about shooting in natural light and how to get a really pretty um, image of food. And so I feel like I kind of just watched as she learned, you know, along that journey. And then also my sister, Corinne Stoko, she um, started her blogs, you know, somewhere in there. I mean, it's been a long time. I want to say like 10 years ago or so. And her website is called Mint Arrow. And um, she does a lot of lifestyle and um, fashion and she has a podcast herself. But anyway, it's, it's really cool to have something in common. You know, our personalities are all so different. And so it's really fun to have that camaraderie where we share, you know, texts about crazy DMs we're getting or fun things we're learning in our business or things we're achieving, stuff like that. Between the three of you guys, you guys are like the mega blog, like family package, like, and I'm super excited for your mom's cookbook, by the way. So we'll be looking for that. Um, so yeah. So did you grow up like cooking with your mom? Was that something that you guys were always doing? Or was it just like, yeah, mom's a really good cook. We love her food. Or was she like, all right, guys, come in here and make this food with me. I was definitely required to help in the kitchen and I liked it. Um, my mom would have me, you know, doing little things from a young age, like helping prep ingredients. I mean, I am the world's best dishwasher, so I definitely did a lot of dishes growing up. And she actually had like a catering business um, growing up. So I helped cook a lot. We cooked a lot for church things, family things. I have a big family. So um, it was definitely, there was like an expectation there, but I enjoyed it. So that's where I learned a lot. And then, yeah, it just was, it was definitely a big part of our family culture, um, especially on my dad's side of the family, which, you know, we, I grew up around all my dad's family in Utah and um, still to this day, I mean, <laughs> when you go to one of our family gatherings, there is so much food. There is like enough food, honestly, to feed three or four 
times the group that we always have, but everyone goes home with leftovers and my aunts are amazing cooks too. So, um, that's really fun. But yeah, there, you know, our family gatherings were a really big deal. The food was always the highlight. And then even, you know, we didn't eat out a ton. We did eat out like a decent amount. We went to a lot of university of Utah football games. And so we kind of had our spots that we went to, but Whenever we traveled, um, eating out was definitely a part of the trip. We we usually went on a family trip about once a year. Usually it was a road trip. Sometimes we would fly somewhere. But um, I have a story I like to tell about my mom where she, oh, she, she would, we'd kind of, you know, scope out, well, we, my mom would scope out restaurants. She would read on forums or in travel books or in magazines, and then she'd pick a spot that she, you know, thought would be good, or maybe she got a recommendation from a hotel concierge. And then we would wait in our Suburban. We always had a Suburban growing up. So we'd sit in the Suburban and my mom would walk in and she would walk in the restaurant and just kind of scope it out. I'm sure she was looking at plates and getting a vibe. So she'd kind of take a lap and walk outside and either give us the thumbs up or like shake her head and come back to the car. I love that. Yeah. So it's not like we weren't like going out to eat several times as a week as a family, but when we did my parents made it count. So it was like a big deal. I'm glad I'm not the only one that does that. Cause I feel like when I walk into a restaurant that I've researched, I'll be like trying to like, look at like people's plates without being like, what did you order? You're like going to your seat, like trying to like look over their shoulder. So yeah, I'm glad I'm not the only one that does that. And I also love kind of the idea of making like your food experiences at restaurants, like really count because that's basically what you do. And like what you advocate for is making eating out like a really great experience. So when you first kind of started, you started the blog, you're like, hey, this is what I want to do. I'm so curious. I mean, I'm assuming there's not like a degree for that. So I'm actually a speech language pathologist. Um, So I actually went to school for, it took me about seven years to get both my bachelor's degree. My bachelor's degree is communication sciences and disorders, and then a master's in speech language pathology. So I spent a lot of time in school for that degree. And, um, yeah, my life definitely hasn't gone the direction that I thought it would, but um, I did, you know, practice and I learned even like, you know, even though I'm not using that degree, I learned so, so, so much from that. And and even from the professional experience I had as well. But um, yeah, I studied that, worked and then had my son and that would have been about four years ago. And at that point, female foodie had gained some momentum and I kind of had this choice to make whether I was going to, you know, find someone to take care of my child so I could go in and work or just stay home, which would have been an option to, or keep working on female foodie and do it from home. And, um, it's, you know, it's, it comes with its challenges, but I'm definitely a worker. I love working. It's really fun for me. And so it's been a huge blessing to be able to like take care of my boys But also, you know, for part of our food research, sometimes I'll drag him to a restaurant or we cook a lot of things in our kitchen to test or, you know, I'm I'm always Johnny on the spot when it comes to nap time. I can get a million things done. So, yeah, it definitely isn't the path that I thought I would um, go down, but I love it. And just kind of speaking to your initial question with, you know, education and going to school, I obviously don't have any education related to what I'm doing, a marketing or a business degree or any kind of qualifications in those areas would have been nice, but I just love to learn. I mean, I am constantly listening to podcasts, reading books. So yeah, I never, ever, ever in my life would have thought that like entrepreneurship or owning a business would have been 
my jam, but I love it. And it's so stimulating to me. And I just, I can't learn enough about it. I love that you just like own it because I think so often it's so easy, especially in like the beginning stages of something creative that you start to be like, oh yeah, like, it's just like a little side hobby. Like who knows if it will ever go anywhere, you know, we'll see. And I love that you're just like, no, I love it. Like was not expecting it, but I love it. And like, I work hard at it. And I just give me like a snapshot of like what it was like kind of like in the trenches before it took off. Because I don't think people sometimes realize that like things like this are like a pretty slow roll. Like it's not, you know, as much as we like romanticize like going viral, especially a while ago, that was not really, do you know what I mean? Yes, the grind. I mean, I think about the first probably two to three years. Um, Well, not the first two to three years, probably. I mean, if you're counting like 2010 when I started, I, I, got really dedicated around 2014 when I met my husband. So it it was a few years of just being pretty, you know, uh, sporadic about it. But the first couple years, like around 2014, 2015, when I got really focused, um, it was a lot of just throwing things out there, making content. Um, and some of it worked really great. You know, we've got like, for example, I wrote a guide to the best restaurants in Salt Lake City that to this day is our top performing piece of content. So, you know, some of those things stuck and then there were a lot of things that failed. I created a, uh, I'm kind of embarrassed to say, but I created a program um, called Female Food Elite that just didn't work out. I've tried to do all kinds of things from being consistent on YouTube to even just small things like different blog posts or recipes or little things. So I feel like, you know, I love that. I really appreciate that you talk about the grind and how it's pretty thankless for a while, because that's what it was. It was just me kind of just throwing things out there, showing up daily. I um, mean, that's the key really is just showing up daily because, um, just like with anything great, if you expect immediate results, you won't get them. And so it, but, but I will say like in the beginning and still to this day, it is still fun for me and still exciting. Um, I wouldn't have been able to sustain, especially before I was making an income on it. So I wouldn't have been able to sustain that had I not, um, loved it. And especially now, I mean, with two little kids, I have to be so intentional about every hour, uh, every minute of my day. And so the, you know, the, the perfect marriage I think is being consistent, but making sure it's something you love so that you can go for a while before you see those results. And I do think that if you work hard and you find something you're passionate about, you will see results. Well, and I, so you say that, you know, it is thankless work for a while. What was the point where you were like, okay, this is happening. Like this is real. This is going to be sustainable. It's making money. Like how did that feel? Was it like, yay, like finally I've been waiting. Or is it like, oh my gosh, like this is actually happening. Like what was that like when you were like, okay, female foodie is not a hobby. It's my hustle. Like we're going like all in. So you said it was 2010 probably. Well, 2010 is the year I started the blog on, if I'm being totally honest, it was really a progression. There was not, there weren't a lot of like breaks or like, Oh, now I'm at this different chapter. I feel like I just worked and worked and worked until it is where I've been now. And honestly, I still feel like I'm just part of this progression. I'm just trying so hard to continue to achieve certain goals and to grow our brand. And in terms of like, you know, you asked what, at what point did you take it seriously or kind of treat it as a business? 
I was pretty serious about it early on. Um, I, probably around like 2014, 2015, once I started consistently pouring time into blog posts, um, showing up daily on social media, um, I got married in 2015 and my husband very early on wanted me to bring on team members like writers. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm a red personality type a definitely, you know, uh, could call myself a control, you know, freak kind of person. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. And he was like, just give it a chance, just try it. And so we opened applications for writers at the very beginning of 2016. And we haven't looked back. I mean, we've had dozens of women write for us. We have a team of about 20 writers right now that are awesome. And so um, really just been a progression. And even even before we had money to, I mean, in the very beginning, we just had people write for us on a volunteer basis. I didn't even have money to pay for their food or their time. Um, so I just did what I could. And I, I did, you know, of course, going back, I would do things differently. Um, but I really do feel like I put you know, the most effort I could and what I was able to put in throughout oh, I that, love that And I love that you're just honest and upfront about like, yeah, there really wasn't a moment that was like, all right, like we've arrived. Cause I think sometimes it does seem like that because, you know, you do hear like these amazing stories. They're like, oh my gosh, we broke the internet. You know, we've made it. But I do think that more often than not, it really is like, oh, like, okay. Like just like a little bit in like kind of inch forward, just a little bit at a time. And I love that. I just think that is probably the case more often than not. Um, so when I first became aware of you, I think I was in high school and I remember being like female foodie and it just seemed like this like revolutionary concept. I was like, oh my gosh, like, of course, like, of course there is like another girl out there who loves food. And you say that you have this huge like writing team. How has it been to like, to gather like women around you? that are so like enthusiastic about food? Honestly, it has been a dream come true. Like I think in the beginning when I formed the team and it, like I shared with you, it was Cody, my husband's idea. And so, you know, a lot of those decisions were made around like trying to get more people to see what we were doing and try to grow beyond myself. So there were initial like goals in place when I brought on people to the team. But now the reason I love it is so much different. Like, yes, we accomplished some cool goals together. We're sharing as much content we can in different cities and we are achieving so much as a team, but really that having that team of just like you were saying, like women that are obsessed with food is so powerful. We do a retreat every year and it's one of my favorite weekends of the whole year. And I love it because all these women not only are amazing people, like, and, and all of them come from such different walks of life. They're mothers, they're professionals, or some of them are both. They're from different parts of the country. They have different family dynamics and different upbringings and different passions. But the thing that we all love is food. So it's super fun. It's like being with all my best friends that also love food too. And we just hang out and eat and chat. We shamelessly take pictures of the food when we go out to restaurants. We talk about food network shows we're obsessed with um, and books and food memoirs. And so, yeah, being being kind of the instigator that is really humbling and exciting. And, uh, you know, we actually just took a group. This is a little bit of a pivot, but I took a group of women to Rome this year. I took two trips. It was something I planned for, um, COVID that wasn't able to happen. And we finally were able to make that happen this year. We, my family and I've spent a lot of time in, 
Italy. And so um, people started asking for me to guide trips. So we finally were able to make that happen and kind of in a different capacity, taking all these women to Rome and just like immersing them, not only in Italy, which is like the best country ever, yeah, yeah. but also like giving them the ultimate foodie experience. Like that was so powerful too. And it was so powerful too. you know, a lot of these women are like moms. They're used to like having a five, 10 minute dinner. I mean, all of our meals were like two hours long and just to sit and eat with these women and get to know them was so powerful. So, you know, I, I think there is something to say, like you mentioned in the very beginning about women and food and gathering. I just think that that combination is so powerful. And in whatever capacity we can be a part of that, whether it's just your family or with a girlfriend or, you know, going out with a few people to, to lunch or to dinner, I think it's so needed and so powerful. I totally agree. And the reason, one of the biggest reasons I wanted to chat with you is because I do feel like I would love to just like push the idea, like you have been for years, that food is magic. Like food is love and connection and all of these like beautiful things. Like I always say on the podcast that like my perfect day is like eating food with people that I like. I look forward to Thanksgiving so I can be in the kitchen, like in one space with like all of these people that I love. And we just We talk, like you said, so shamelessly about food and everything that we love. And I also want to kind of make a point that I, I appreciate kind of your movement because I do feel like so many women are maybe ashamed or embarrassed when they do love food. That was kind of my experience. I love food. Like I really do. And I remember being kind of embarrassed, like, oh my gosh, like that is like kind of not the move for me to love food and cooking. and But I think that there are so many other women out there who do love food. And I love that you're pushing, like, no, this isn't, this is magic. Like, of course we want to like dive in and enjoy this together. So I just love that. I just love what you're doing with that. Thank you so much. Okay. So I have to get into kind of some fun food stuff. So tell me why go out? Why do you go out to a restaurant when obviously, you know, we can cook at home. There's like the famous, like, no, we have food at home. Like what to you is like the best part of going out to eat? (laughs) Gosh, I love this question. And honestly, I'm actually, um, husband and I are going on a date tonight because we can't this weekend. So it's our like, what is it today? Thursday. We're going on a Thursday night date night. Um, and I just, just before we were starting this interview, actually, I was like, trying to figure out where we were going to eat. And it just, it's such an exciting thing to me. Like it's multifaceted. So why go out to eat? First of all, this isn't the main motivator, but I I love supporting local businesses. To me, it's a really fun way for me to get out and be a part of my community. Um, But the main reason I'm doing, well, there's kind of two main drivers. So the other two reasons are, first of all, um, just the experience, like the whole thing and for me, the experience is mostly the food, honestly. The, the, I, I'm actually not, like, the, the, the ambience and environment, the more I eat out, it's less of a big deal to me just because I think it's so subjective what everyone wants. Some people might want something super involved or, you know, something that's very stimulating. Other people just want, like, a quiet place where they can eat food and undisturbed. So it kind of depends on the person, although I will say, you know, I live here in the Portland area and there are so many restaurants where you feel like you're getting the full experience. I mean, the music, the branding, the, the, 
you know, the wallpaper, everything just feels like such a special part of the experience. But when I'm talking about the experience, I'm talking about the food, like the moment when you bite into something and it just like warms the inside of your soul and it tastes good. And you can just like feel your, you know, the rush of endorphins. And then you're experiencing that with someone else, which kind of leads to my second point. I guess that's technically my third point, but I love, you know, I love going out to eat because I love creating those special memories with whoever I'm with. And that has looked so different to me in so many ways in my life. You know, right now, my special food memories oftentimes are me and my husband. I have two little kids, so we do take them out to eat, but it's not super often. It's expensive. They're little kids. They don't know the difference. And so that's kind of our reserve special thing that we do together. Um, I get to visit my family in Salt Lake City next week, so I'm hoping that we get to go to at least one spot together. And those memories, right, of sitting down as a family, like, those are really exciting to me because there's so many previous memories and we're making new memories and I know exactly what my dad's going to like um at a certain restaurant or my mom or one of my siblings is going to like and so we have so many fun cool memories there um and then even just with my kids like getting out with them you know the other day I promised my son I would take him for ice cream and so we ended up at Chick-fil-A and we got an ice cream cone and it wasn't like the world's best ice cream I mean I know everyone loves Chick-fil-A I think Chick-fil-A is it's a little overrated, but I'm with you. Actually, I'll admit, don't come for me, everyone. <laughs> I know. I mean, here's the thing, though, from someone who isn't like um, head over heels for Chick-fil-A, I eat there quite a bit. I've got little kids and it's usually like the easiest place to just kind of, you know, fly through. But um, even though, you know, I would have liked to go to some kind of local artisanal, awesome ice cream place, like that's what we had time for. And that's what did the job. And honestly, you know, my to go there just with my four-year-old, just the two of us, and to like have that moment where we sat in the booth and we had soft serve ice cream cones, like that was a magical moment for me. It really was. It was, and it was connecting. Like there are things that I can't say to my four-year-old, but there there are things that we can understand in that moment because we were experiencing it together. And I also want to kind of just cap all these thoughts off about eating out too, with like I know eating out can be expensive and you know, I think that's a lot of the reason why we didn't eat out a ton growing up. My parents had four kids and that, that those things add up, but eating out doesn't have to be this super lavish thing. We all have taco carts in our cities or food trucks or kind of less expensive things. So I think if you're willing to be a little creative, um, you can make it work for whatever budget you're on. I love that. And I know that we're talking about like, you know, food that is next level usually because that's what's fun to talk about but on kind of the same vein I have this memory you know obviously we didn't eat out a ton as when I was younger either there were five kids and but I do have these like just like beautiful memories of going to our local golden corral and I was like it literally it's golden corral like we're (laughs) not talking high quality here but I think back and kind of a similar experience. I was like, it really was so magical. Those are some of my favorite memories. We were all in a booth. No one could like get away from each other. It was magical. There was a soft serve ice cream machines. We like went to town. And when I got married, I was like, listen, Trenton, like we, we have to go to Golden Corral at least once. Like you just have to experience it. And we went back and, you know, now I'm an adult and I'm like, okay, the food, not my favorite, but it, it was still special. And I think 
that is a good point to be like, it's not always, sometimes it's just about the time. It's about the company. It's about the memories. I mean, we have a pizza spot that shall be remain nameless in my hometown um, that is does not serve good pizza. But guess what? It's like the most convenient pizzeria to where we grew up. And so we have so many fun memories of getting this pizza to go or even sitting down in the restaurant at their, you know, in the, the green booth, just like you were saying. So I'm I'm definitely an advocate for finding the good food and I will go out on the limb to do whatever I can to prove people that we can find a good spot that's better than a chain, but nostalgia is nostalgia. And, and I think that those memories are so endearing. I mean, I have memories growing up of my mom carting me all over the Salt Lake Valley to, to volleyball tournaments. And what did we eat? Well, I don't know what she ate, (laughs) but I ate a bacon, egg and cheese biscuit from McDonald's. Those can hit though they can hit no and so I just think it's you know it's all um when we have those connecting experiences it can be a really fancy fun place that you're at for an anniversary but it it can be something really low-key too and that's awesome yeah no I love that so what what are you doing in the kitchen right now what are you experimenting with do you have like a dream recipe that you're like okay that's like my next bucket list item like I've got to perfect it like I the other day I was like okay I have got to figure out how to make macaroons. Is it macaroons? Macaron? Macaron. Well, you've got macarons, which are the really pretty sandwich cookies. Yeah, those are like the cute ones. And then macarons, yep. those are like a meringue, right? Yep. They're made with egg whites and almond flour. I actually, that's actually something I want to master too. So maybe we can master them together. <laughs> I would love to know like if you have like a bucket list that you're like, oh, someday I will like perfect this. Okay. If I'm being totally honest... I was actually thinking about pastries today and I would love to master the Queen Amon. Um, I don't know if you've had one of those before and they are the way it's spelled. It's like K O U I G N, but it's pronounced queen and then Amon A M A N N. I think that's how it's spelled. Anyway, um, to me, it's like the pastry of all pastries. It requires that you laminate your dough with layers of dough and butter and it's sugary and um, kind of... Is this like, like croissant vibes? Yes, but with butter and sugar. And and to anyone that's in Salt Lake City, um, Les Madeleine is the place to get these. I mean, they are so, so good. Or um, Dominique Ansel in New York um, makes them. I mean, a lot of people make them. It's a French pastry, but those are kind of... Those are probably the two best places I've had them. But that to me, I was actually just thinking earlier in the car today, like... I need to master that one day. That's my pastry that I'm going to tackle. And one day I'll be able to make that really well. But for now, I'm just going to buy them from other people that <laughs> that do it really well. We'll be staying tuned then. I'll be, be watching for that. Um, what? So if we were to like start, so like people listening, myself included, if we were to like try to level up our cooking game at home, like right now, give us your like top three tips. What are like top three, top five, you follow your heart, but what would be like our go-to first steps? Okay. So I think the first thing is, I think one of the first and easiest things that anyone can do is use fresh seasonal ingredients. So for example, like I think an easy example is we're in tomato season. We're in the throes of tomato season, which I love tomatoes. My dad actually used to call me Brookie Tomato because I love tomatoes. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah. (laughs) So compare a tomato you buy 
at like Walmart or Kroger or whatever in November to a freshly picked tomato from your garden or the farmer's market right now. Those tomatoes are not even the same thing. Like they are completely different ingredients because the tomato is in season and it's fresh. Um, basil, fresh basil. You can get it year round. Fresh basil compared to like dried basil in your pantry, right? Mm -hmm. They don't even compare. So that's my first tip is just if you can cook um, in season, it's not always easy to do that, but try to cook things that are in season. That, that doesn't mean you need to be going to the farmer's market. It just means that, you know, your tomatoes are going to taste way better in the summer than in December um, and use fresh stuff. The other thing I um, want to mention was this is specific to meat. I think that cooking meat by temperature, I don't know if you do that, Brooklyn, at home. Yeah. But I think that that's, you know, for those of us that are cooking meat, I think that's an instant way to make all of your meat taste better. When you stop overcooking your meat and you cook it by temperature, that's just going to unlock so much more moisture and flavor, and there's nothing worse than dry meat. So that was another thought that I had. Um, not being afraid to mess up mm -hmm. um, and kind of to, you know, go with that, like just picking something and kind of mastering it. So we were just talking about that, like mastering a macaron, but it doesn't have to be a macaron. It can be something more simple. You know, maybe like you really want to make a really good chili verde or a pomodoro sauce or something like that. That's kind of my style. And unfortunately, my family has to eat something usually six or seven times. And this is this is even before I was developing recipes. Like, I just think that the way to become proficient at something is just make it a few times. And it doesn't have to be every night for one week, but maybe over the next six months, if you're like, okay, like macarons, if I want to make great macarons, I'm going to make them once every couple weeks and try it out. And then the next time you'll kind of have a little bit of a better idea in terms of like how to make it, or maybe you try different recipes. So yeah, fresh ingredients, use, use that instant read thermometer. If you have one, if not get them on Amazon, they're like 20 bucks and then just, just stick with it. I feel like sometimes, you know, and that, that goes again with making things over and over, but I think people quit fast. They go, Oh, well, I made, I made cookies and they turned out flat or I cooked this and it didn't go well, but it's just like anything else. You have to get your hands dirty and just kind of jump in and experiment a little bit. Yeah, exactly. I'm on my journey right now before I hit the macarons. My journey right now is I'm trying to get my mozzarella making on point. Cause I was like, oh. okay, it's like, what? It's like four ingredients, super simple. It's tomato season. Like I've got to get some mozzarella and I will just have everyone know that it has been a flop every single time, except for once I had one like successful run, but we're going to keep going. We're going to do it every Saturday until we have beautiful mozzarella. And until then, we'll have beautiful ricotta or whatever we have. See, but I love that you're doing that. Like, you're not quitting because you've done the hard job, right? You, The hard part is, like, getting over that hurdle. And then once you get over it and once you figure out how to do it in your kitchen with your ingredients, then you're going to be like, oh, well, now I can do it 100 times, no problem. And now I really want fresh mozzarella. Yeah, I was, I was watching Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. Have you seen that? Oh, of course. I love that show. And you're watching all of these like like cute chefs like make these things that they've made a hundred times and you're like, oh my gosh, how do they do that? And then you're like, oh, they make this every day of their life. Like they make pesto or this sushi literally every day. That's why they're good yes. at it. Like anyway, that was inspirational to me. 
I love that. I love the book and the um, documentary. I think they're both like must watch, must read content for anyone that is interested in food. I didn't think, I did not know there was a book. Oh yeah. You need the book. The book is awesome. The book is really great. I mean, there are recipes in there and I've made several of them and they're good, but it teaches you about food. It teaches you the science of food. Things like, you know, uh, using salt, for example, that's like one of her biggest, you know, portions in the beginning of the book. How do you salt? When to use it? How much to use? How little to use? Which types to use? Like it's literally a book you should read to cover to cover if you're a person that loves food. So you need to get that book. It's really good. Okay. We'll link that in show descriptions then so we can all check it out together. Okay. A couple last little things. What, so what would you say are like deceptively easy things to make at home that people assume are like super hard like when I emailed you some of the questions I was like I gotta know like are you like at home like making your own pasta all the time or are you like listen Barilla is gonna work like what are things that you're like okay more people should make this or you're like it's not worth it because I know you're busy you've got a lot going on yes well we're all busy right we all have things that we want to be spending our time on and and for the moments you want to make the handmade pasta go for it but that does take time um no, things I don't think you should be shortcutting. Um, my mind instantly, of course, goes to pesto because we were just talking about it. I've got a great pesto recipe on femalefoodie.com, but that's one where I'm like, okay, it's one thing if you're going to get the jar of pesto from Trader Joe's and it's like a condiment or something, but if that's like, if you are, all you're doing is like boiling pasta and adding pesto, make your own pesto. It's so easy. Um, I think about salad dressings. I did a Q&A on Instagram the other day and someone was like, what are your favorite salad dressings? Um... Honestly, I can't even remember the last time I bought salad dressings. I do like that green goddess dressing from Trader Joe's. I think it's good. Um, but because I've made so many of my own dressings, they're usually vinaigrettes, which is usually two parts oil, olive oil, one part vinegar. So um, that's something that once you do it a couple times, you're like, hey, I'm never going back. This tastes so much better than anything from a store. Um, sauces. Uh, Really, a lot of the things that we buy, buy pre-made are, are saucy kind of things, you know, for pastas or um, even like, I, I don't know. I think it just depends on what season you are in in your life. But I can taste a huge difference between pre-cut bagged lettuce and lettuce that I cut on my own. I can. I can taste a difference. So I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I just think, you know, Anytime you can make it yourself and it won't take you more time and you can taste the difference, that's when I think it's worth the investment of your time. I love that. Okay. So to wrap up, what advice would you give someone who's kind of trying to start something? It's maybe something new. Maybe it hasn't really been pioneered yet, but they're really passionate about it. What would be like your parting advice? Because I do feel like you've kind of built something that wasn't really there before and now so many people get to enjoy it. So tell us what you would tell kind of like the budding entrepreneur or whatever they might be. Oh, well, thank you, Brooklyn. That's so nice of you to say. Um, I truly, if I were to give anyone advice, I would say be consistent. We touched on that earlier. So many people quit. So many people just aren't willing to do the little things. Um, I'm, I love running and hiking. So I'm always thinking, I'm always like turning my life into a big running analogy, but really people that train for marathons, they don't do a marathon 
a week after ha- they have the thought, they literally start with one mile. They do a mile and then it compounds. They Then they do a two miler, a three miler, up to 20 milers. That's what usually most runners cap out at. And so this is the same with any business, right? You start out with something really small, a blog post, a social media post. But the key is you have to show up and you need to decide what showing up is. Maybe for you in your life, that's three times a week. Maybe you're making a reel or a TikTok or whatever, three times a week. Or maybe you're putting a blog post out three times a week. Maybe for you, someone that has a you know podcast, maybe it's, I'm going to record an episode one a week. But And you'll know what it is. You'll know what it is, what you're capable of, what you have the time for. So that's the first thing. The other piece of advice I'd have is to stay nimble. Um, be willing to like pivot and try things. A lot of business is just throwing stuff out there throwing stuff out there, throwing stuff out there, throwing stuff out there and seeing what sticks. Um, like I was saying earlier, like I've had a lot of things flop, but I've had a lot of things that have done really well. And it's because I'm willing to put myself out there and to pivot, which is hard. It's hard to be vulnerable in that way. And to, I mean, sometimes the things I post online, I feel like I'd look like an idiot and I just have a food account. I'm not even posting super risky, vulnerable stuff, but I still have my dignity and my pride and I'm kind of a private person actually so um I definitely feel kind of like oh nervous sometimes when I post things but being willing to just put yourself out there um I think is a really good practice um and then the other thing I would say that I feel like has been really powerful for me is just to find friends that are either in the same season where you're at so if you're brand new Find other people that have just gotten started. I mean, we have so many abilities now, especially like I think of Instagram. It's such an easy way to connect with people in our very own cities doing exactly what we're doing. But find people that are in a similar stage or better yet, someone that maybe is even a little further down the road from you and and um, and network and, and take other people's advice and grow together. I feel like... Um, the the advice I've gotten from really close friends from my mom and sister like that has been priceless and invaluable I have gotten so much good advice over the years and received so much inspiration too from creating a community around me of personal close friends that I get inspiration from constantly so um I think those those three things would be my pieces of advice. Thank you. So tell us where people can find you. You have a lot of great resources for all the foodies out there. So you have a website, you have an app. Tell us all the things. Where can we find you? We are Female Foodie everywhere. So femalefoodie.com, Female Foodie on Instagram. If you're interested in our app, it's a really special community we have for people that want exclusive content like a new recipe each week um, and a bunch of other stuff. That's femalefoodie.com slash app. But yeah, just... I'd love if you come say hi on Instagram and hang out with me there. Her Instagram is so fun. Everyone go check out her Instagram. And she has food guides for cities all across the U.S. So just a really, really awesome resource for anyone that loves food or wants to get into food. Female Foodie is the place to go. Thank you so much, Brecklin. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We Don't forget to rate and review so we can grow the podcast. And I will see you next week. Uh-huh.